to Financial Freedom, educational podcast series hosted by Arvin Venn. These 15-minute or so podcasts are meant to educate and empower listeners about key financial topics towards the road to financial independence in plain English and without financial jargon. Arvin Venn is an independent financial advisor, founder, and CEO of Capital V Group in Cupertino, California. He is regularly featured in leading national financial publications such as Forbes and many others. And now for our host, Arvin Venn. So today, uh, I'm excited to have a uh, very special guest. So Eric Kwan Lee is uh, very well known in the Silicon Valley startup environment. and I've interacted with him over the last several years, and they've been very uh, impressed by the level of energy that uh, Eric brings to all the uh, startup environments and the ideas that he brings to the table. So we were chatting uh, recently, and I said, Eric, come join us on one of our podcasts. And Eric has done a lot of work on the future of work, which I think is very interesting and very timely, given how the, the COVID pandemic has completely upended how companies and employees and people look at work. So with that, welcome, Eric. So how are you doing today? Uh, thank you, Arvid. Uh, I'm doing very well, thanks. And, and it's a great topic to talk about uh, related to the future of work. I mean, there's so many different things going on, and um, I'm excited to dive deep into it. Awesome. So, you know, we um, people talk about remote work, hybrid work, and we also start hearing about some companies uh, asking people to come back to work, given that the Omicron variant seems to be a lot less um, infectious. I mean, hopefully the, those, that will not be famous last words, but it looks <laughs> like, right, <laughs> given how yeah. it's been the last two years. So, but my question to you is, Eric, given that you have your own podcast about, about the future of work and you are quoted frequently, I mean, what do you, is, will the word, will, will remote work be just work, let's say, going forward or a few years from now? What's your prognosis? I think in all honesty to your question, yes, I do agree from five to 10 years from now, remote work will just be work. But I think what will happen is we'll have flavors of work. So you kind of hit on two in your, your question, right? There's remote work, there's hybrid work. And I think it will just vary depending on industry and also depending on uh, the type of company you're in. And I think the, that wish for being able to work from home or work from anywhere while traveling will grow. We're seeing that with the rise of nomad visas. Um, Estonia, for example, has pushed that out. Um, but let's be honest, there's also the flip side of other types of work that require you to be physically present. And that won't change in the next five to 10 years. Construction, anything that involves physical labor, we have to take into account, you do have to show up five days a week or however long it is. So I think work is changing. I think if you do, if I hate to use the dividing line, if you look at a lot of the white collar type work, it will be more remote, more hybrid. Um, but I think the big thing that we have to factor in is the human factor. Um, but that's a, that's a separate path I'll go down later. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's, that's a great point. I mean, it's, uh, I, I think, as you mentioned, there are, uh, I've been reading with interest that like several, I mean, countries have mm -hmm. uh, had this nomad visa, even different states within the country. Uh, reaching out to Silicon Valley uh, tech types and saying, "Now oh, come and come and work with us here and uh, keep your Silicon Valley salary, but having but while having uh, a much lower cost of living." 
But mm-hmm. so that leads me to the question. So if companies, some companies that have the ability to have their workers and, or quote-unquote white-collar employees work from a different state, and it doesn't it, it doesn't cause any impact on productivity. Do you think the companies that dig in the heels and say, you know what, it's either you show up at work in downtown San Francisco or are it's not going to work out? Do you think that's um, if companies take the tack, they might lose out on on let's say required talent and the required skill sets that, that they would need? I would say the answer is yes and no. I think. And there's a couple of reasons for my ambiguous answer, let's be perfectly honest. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of issues involved. And I think one of it is that with remote work, there's obviously a financial uh, imperative, both from the company perspective and the individual employee perspective, right? All of us who are employees or even business owners or entrepreneurs, we you know want to maximize our own productivity or personal wealth. So we'll definitely, hey, if someone's going to pay me a Silicon Valley salary, but I can live in, you know, uh, Saginaw, Texas, uh, where the cost of living is lower, they'll take advantage of that, right? That being said, the flip side is for companies. It's not only, and I think everyone's focused on, well, a lot of companies are now saying, if you leave Silicon Valley, we're going to pay, make a cost of living adjustment that decreases your salary if you end up in Saginaw, Texas. That, right. that's that's one perspective the other mm-hmm. perspective though is especially for remote first companies is and i go back to the human factor is the fact that well will you have higher turnover if if you allow remote work and without building in the necessary human connections and let me explain so if you if you have a disparate team right all over the country all over the world they're basically going to be remote first and they may not necessarily develop that cultural stickiness, right? Uh, hey, this is more than a job. I like the people I'm working with, et cetera. So they're more likely to potentially turn over based on the next better job offer that they get or interest that they have, et cetera, right? Uh, which in some respects has led to great resignation. So do remote first companies potentially have to start building in, hey, I'm gonna have to fly my team into a central location every once in a while and start those team building, culture building exercises. So I think both have endemic issues. I think each company within their own culture will have to figure out what, the, what their trade-offs are gonna be. So to the, your question, are some companies gonna lose out on talent if they say, hey, you have to show up five days a week? Yes, but they may say that is a cost we can afford, not just financially, but culturally as well because we believe that that's part of our culture. For those remote work ones, I think as companies grow, and and this is gonna be an interesting thing, how will remote work integrate with building team and overall organizational culture, which are incredibly important in productivity? So I think there's a lot of issues there. Correct. I mean, I also see companies that are, they're taking the stack saying, okay, can work where you want, but then, uh, you, they'll the employee will fly in, or they'll fly them in once, say once every few weeks for a for a huddle with the other uh, team members, so that the so that they can um, this so the creativity and and the uh, ideas that generate when people get together that isn't lost. And then those who are still in various parts of what I say striking distance of Silicon Valley, for example, or, or any other large metro, it, they can still make it to the office once or twice a week. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I still like the, I I know people who move to Sacramento who still drive down once a week. I mean, uh, that is even pre-COVID. So you're right. I mean, those I think as long as those accommodations are made and there's the infrastructure can handle that. That yeah, that makes um that makes I mean, that makes a lot of sense. So I was going to ask you I mean about whether the uh, lack of interaction would bring down the creativity, but then we just answered that because at the end of the day, as long as there is um, a structure built in where people as human beings we do need interactions for for ideas i think so that seems to be getting built in right so uh, I, i i do see that i think yes and no i i think th- and this is where i think some companies are they're tr- they're leveraging the old way of of creativity to your point you show up five days a week you have those hallway water cooler interactions mm-hmm. or those whiteboarding sessions other companies i think will have to build in their culture of like what is considered how do we build that um build the the you know happenstance meetings mm-hmm. of hey right. we discussed this idea that's the next billion dollar idea and i think it's interesting i i like to call the term decentralized centralization we have technology now that has enabled us to collaborate with people across the globe very easily right but at the same time we have technology that also centralizes a lot of things right that then says hey you have to physically be there i think what we're seeing right now is not just in in silicon valley but in a broader global scope of like how do we work all this out how do we figure out if someone likes remote work they get the same level of interactivity and creativity and push things forward right versus someone who's five days a week at at work. And I think we're still sorting out what those levers look like, what those best practices look at. So I think the next five to 10 years are going to be super interesting from a, not just employee relations perspective, but also a, a creativity and innovation perspective as well. That's a great point. I mean, I, I can look at my own line of work as, a, as an independent financial advisor. I mean, over the last two years, I've had clients who've been um, very cautious uh, in terms of uh, even meeting up in the office and we've been very respectful of that uh, mm-hmm. even though masks are worn but what i also seen is that we with with say uh, electronic signatures like docusign and other um, uh, programs and using uh, for example zoom or webex or other uh, online video meetings we have been able to i mean stay in touch still not the same as meeting in person because it is personal finance like the the personal is really personal first and finance second but despite that it's been interesting there's also an awareness where people realize that you know what i'm just there's the zoom fatigue and there's we have phone mm-hmm. calls we have emails and we don't need to uh, meet in person for for document signing because electronic documents are secure and they they get it done and we also been working we found a larger number of clients from out of state which generally uh, it is not part of a business plan but through client referrals we have now uh, also have clients from outside the state which is which I found very interesting but it's been also been working out quite well because uh, technology has successfully so far bridged, bridged that uh, the quote unquote gap of not being able to meet face to face as of now right so yeah so very very interesting time to like you said in the next uh 5 to 10 years we'll see how this lasting impact will kind of morph yeah. into something uh that is um covers different angles for both employers as well as employees so here's a question here's a question for you eric so mm-hmm. anything so you now we we discussed remote work and i know you, you we've been living through that but We, there's a lot of media coverage right now uh, 
in some case, some employers or I know without naming names in Silicon Valley, some have tried to bring back their workers in-house only to, uh, mm-hmm. back to back to campus only to push back when another variant came up. So do you think the media or some of these companies are, are they getting anything wrong about how the what the future trend of work portends? I wouldn't necessarily say they're getting it wrong. I think that they're missing a few key stories, right? Mm-hmm. I think story number one is, you know, what's happening to the physically geographically located businesses, right? I'm talking your dry cleaner, your restaurants, your um, coffee shops, right? How are they adapting or not adapting, unfortunately, to the lack of office traffic? And what will, you know, and that ultimately Mm -hmm. leads to what do cities look like in the future? Because I think we've gone to the extreme where we like separate everything, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where, like, if you look at downtown San Francisco, it, it's, for the most part, very commercial-based. There's some residential, but it's not like, you know, most residential neighborhoods um, in, in San Francisco. Are we going to end up with a mixed-use development? And I think there's a lot of things, and this goes ultimately to the remote work uh, issue of, well, in the past, we've had these really strong guide rails in terms of work-life separation. Are we basically now saying that we're giving that up, that that work-life balance, as we like to use, isn't realistic, which I think it is. I think it's talking about that holistic nature, right? And I think you're seeing that. That's what you're seeing with the great resignation. And we need to really think through how do we build companies that not just meet the needs of the shareholder, but are also meeting the needs of the employee. And I think that is going to be the interesting discussion of the 21st century because, and you kind of hinted at it, with technology, a lot of people are now optimizing their life, not because they they don't want a job for the sake of a job, right? They want a job right. so they can live and learn. And I think that those that statement is significant because a job for a sake of job means, well, I'll take any job, even if I'm just pushing paper nine to five and not learning anything. I think what you're seeing with the great resignation And what you're seeing, even with this remote work rise, is I want a job that I'm learning and I can live my life. And people are demonstrating with remote work they can. The issue becomes, what are the, I don't call them control mechanisms, what are the managing mechanisms required to do that? And I think that will actually require a lot more psychological human understanding of what people want and that individual customization. And I think this is the ultimate thing that a lot of companies are struggling with is that every employee has unique needs and every employee changes over time because, you know, from when they're a new employee to when that employee maybe gets married, has kids, their life cycles change. And I think sometimes with with jobs, we forget, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to do this job for 20 years. Nowadays, that's not the case. And I think with remote work, not only do you have people changing individually, now you have people changing locations. So I think the big thing that both media employers are forgetting, or maybe employers are acknowledging, and the media maybe is forgetting, 
is we need to think about changing some of the legislation to enable remote work or enable customization for individuals. Um, my, my, you know, the big thing is I, I understand from where corporations are coming from, from getting people into the office because they, they're fearful of, of potentially, hey, if an employee goes to a country or a state that they don't have an official legal presence in and work there for six months, well, what does that mean from an HR and taxation purpose? Do I, how, how am I going to manage that, right? right. And I think- uh, That's I a great think, point. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you brought up a great point because taxation, not only for companies, but for individuals too, because if, uh, right, I mean, I've been looking at, thankfully we don't have, from my client base, we, uh, we don't, we have not come across any of those, but I've been aware and reading quite a bit about employees who have gone down to the state. But the question is, if they are they just spent, how much time did they spend? Are they going to be double taxed? Yeah, you brought up a great point about taxation. And also you mentioned about how cities will look like. I mean, mm -hmm. San Francisco was buzzing and you know it better than I do. Is, uh, but once uh, people moved to, uh, I know personally, when we both know people like who are, we say, you know, enough of this high rents, I don't, I don't, the city is almost dead. Why am I paying $5,000 a month for a, for a one bedroom or two bedroom in, in San Francisco? But what happens also is that the businesses, like the dry cleaners and the restaurants and other yep. businesses that depend on the traffic, they, the, the, the bigger question is how are they going to recover or even how are they going to adapt when this thing changes? Exactly. And I, I think, you know, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think to your point, uh, San Francisco is a prime example. It's like, well, landlords are thinking, oh, I can keep charging at least higher rents. But, um, and this goes back to the government side as well, to your, your earlier example, friends moving to Sacramento. Well, great. If, if let's say things go, go back to normal post-COVID, right? Well, is the infrastructure, is the transportation infrastructure there to allow for that, right? Or is our transportation infrastructure so underfunded that people will start congregating towards the cities? And I think it brings up another interesting question of like, will we see more moderation when it comes to housing prices as well? And that's a completely different discussion. Because right. I think <laughs> at the end of the day, it's, it's like the, the future of work isn't just about work itself. It's about all the things. And I think that's where a lot of people are starting to realize is like work isn't just for the sake of work. Work is, it's not working for life, but, but working to live. And I think if we don't start thinking about those other elements besides the work component in the future of work, I think we're, we're doomed to be this gray zone that no one knows what we're going to do <laughs> right it's uh and you mentioned i mean you brought up an interesting point about will people congregate back into the cities because at some point you know the, the phrase out of sight is out of mind and in 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 many professions like not being part of the uh water cooler talk and not uh seeing the boss uh that often sometimes may may impact i mean career trajectory so i think Again, you'll be, be curious to see how this thing pans out, but you, but I think you summed it up very nicely, which is it's not just about getting a paycheck and putting food on the table, but uh, people realize that it's about, it's about living and, and employers and companies, uh, whether to the chagrin or to the delight, they realize that the majority of employees have been 
maybe equally productive or more productive my, without the, without the, the time for commute and the flexibility. I mean, I think a lot of people have been called even more productive. So, so which means that uh, productivity numbers have actually gone up. So, so, so which is a, a, another interesting conundrum talking about the work-life balance. Like sometimes maybe working from home is just a short walk <laughs> to the living exactly. room. So people may end up working longer hours, right? just, just to show that they are dependable and trustworthy. So yeah, it's uh, yeah brings in some very interesting, uh, I mean, multiple topics, even though we began at the future of work. And that's <laughs> probably we have several topics to discuss and to bring you back, Eric, on uh, on other occasions. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's been a, yeah, a great, yeah. great uh, ideas and some great observations from your part. Like I think it's uh, it's very uh, kind of it's a nail on the head because uh, there's no solution, uh, obviously. But but the last two years have set forth a trend. I think it will be difficult to put the genie back into the model, so to speak. So that's I think that's where we are. Uh, I think uh, I guess I guess we can we can summarize it that way. If I'm, if I'm not, if you agree with that. No, I 100% agree. And I, and to your point, more than happy to come back up to the podcast and, and debate some of the other topics, that, because I think there's there's a lot of things we, we need to unpack with the future work. And it has a lot of implications, not just for employers and employees, but society itself. So more than happy to have that discussion. Well, we'll be more than happy to have you back uh, soon, Eric. So but in the meantime, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. You have a great uh, rest of the week and, um, and we'll chat soon. Thank you again. All right. So we look forward to seeing you soon and you tuning in at the next podcast. You can also read more about us at www.capitalvgroup.com or call us at 408-725-7122. Or you can like us or read more about us on Twitter and on Facebook. Arvind Venn is a registered representative with advisory services and securities offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, and SIPC. The opinions voiced in this material are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. The information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest that you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax advisor. Financial planning offered through Capital V Group, a registered investment advisor and a separate entity from LPL Financial. 